Okay, so what I wanted to do now was um, talk about the advantages of, um, of precepts. Uh, not, not the benefits of keeping the precepts, but the, the, why the Buddha, the advantages of the Buddha establishing the precepts. Because every time there was a, a situation in which the, you know, somebody misbehaved and did something that was either natural, negative, or, or offensive to somebody, and the Buddha set up the precept, he always stated these ten reasons as the reasons why he was establishing the precept. And so by hearing them, it gives us some kind of idea about, um, yeah, about why the, the precepts exist and, and how uh, they benefit us. There's um, the, the first three uh, reasons are all come under the subheading of to promote harmony with the, within the Sangha. Okay? So one of the big meanings is there's... Um, what to say? Okay, so if we talk about the detailed meaning, there's three big subheadings, and each, then each of those has different points. So the three big subheadings, if we're talking about the detailed um, meaning for, uh, for establishing the precepts. One is to promote harmony within the Sangha. The second is to transform society. And the third is to bring about individual liberation. So going back to the first one, to promote harmony within the Sangha, then there's, there's um, three points within that. And so the first of those in promoting harmony within the Sangha is to direct the monastics. Okay? And so it gives us um, it gives us directions. Venerable William, in describing this, gave the example that when you first ordain, you're, you're like a newborn baby, and so you need training and you need direction. Uh, you need to learn how to grow, and so the precepts help you uh, learn how to grow, and they give you direction, you know, so that you can grow into um, being a, a um, uh, an adult monastic with a very subdued actions of body, speech, and mind. And then the, the second reason, uh, again, to under that that one of promote harmony within the sangha, is to foster peace and happiness among the monastics. Okay, and so you can see that you know when there's a precept and when everybody keeps the precept. It promotes um, peace and happiness within the Sangha. Not only because everybody's doing the same thing, but because many of the precepts we have um, deal with how we live together. Yeah? So, for example, you're not allowed to kick somebody out of their room and just throw their stuff out so that you can occupy the room. Yeah? <laughs> and... You know, and if you promise people certain things, you know, then you're supposed to give it to them. And, you know, just different things like that. A lot of the precepts have to do with just how we relate to each other on a day-to-day basis. And so if we, we keep those, those precepts, then naturally we get along, you know, quite harmoniously. You know, uh, for example, um, some of the precepts regard not falsely accusing people of breaking major precepts. Yeah. So if you if you don't like somebody and you want to you know ruin their reputation, then the best way to do it in a monastic community is accuse them of breaking one of the the root vows. But if you do that, then it's a it's a totally baseless 
accusation, then you've actually broken one of the secondary vows and you could get suspended because of it. Okay? So you can see that if people don't make these baseless accusations, then the, the community is going to be a lot more harmonious. Okay, another um, reason to promote the harmony of the monastics is it protects um, monastics. Okay, and so um, it, it helps us, you know, to live in a very, very equal way, sharing the same precepts, um, living harmoniously. Uh, and if we, if we all do this, if we're, if we're protected in this way by keeping the precepts, then we will be of benefit to the existence of the Buddha Dharma. Yeah, we won't abandon the teachings, we won't uh, intentionally or unintentionally destroy the Dharma, but um, we'll be able to, we'll, you know, it, keeping the precepts will protect our mind and, and protect us as a community. Okay. Then under the, the second heading of to transform society, so um, the precepts help to inspire those without faith, and they ha- and the second point there is to advance the practice of those with faith. Okay, so as a sangha, we exist in relationship to society. Um, if we keep our precepts well, then we inspire faith in the minds of people who are not Buddhists as well as people who are Buddhists. Um, you know, remember I was saying before that for many people, just knowing that Shravasti Abbey exists, it makes them feel like there's some hope in the world and, you know, something good can, can come when you're all in the city and everything's going crazy. And you think of the Abbey, it's, oh, there's people cultivating ethical discipline. It gives you some hope and inspiration. So there, very easily, you can see the positive influence on, on society that we have if, uh, if, you know, we are all keeping the precepts is that, you know, other people think of us and, and they, they have a good feeling. And then even people who aren't Buddhists, you know, if, if there's, um, I mean, you see this, for example, with His Holiness. He'll come in to deliver a lecture. And, and I've talked to many people who are not Buddhists, who have never met His Holiness before, and he'll walk into the hall and they'll just start weeping. You know, because there's something about his presence through, that, that has come about due to his spiritual cultivation that even these people aren't Buddhists. They feel, you know, wow, there's something special here. Yeah. So even for us, you know, if, if we're able to tame our actions of body, speech, and mind, I think that's what, what Lama Yeshi meant when he talked about giving good visualizations to other people. Yeah. Is that, you know, if you just give the visualization of a, of a, of a peaceful, calm person because cause you're acting in a, in a very smooth, gentle way. And so, um, you know, there's so many ways. We were talking uh, this morning, you know, about not crossing your legs. Okay? Now, if you think about it, you know, somebody's crossing their legs and somebody who's just sitting with their legs down on the floor, it gives you a different feeling. Yeah? Or if you're sitting in front of lay people and you're just like splashed back on the sofa, like that, you know, that gives a certain feeling to other people versus if you're just sitting nicely. Yeah? Or if you scream across the room, you know, or you talk to somebody who's in another room, 
then you know that says something versus when you make the effort to go to where the other person is and talk to them or when you see um, I remember when I was training in in, in in uh, Taiwan they really emphasize this one when you see an old friend you know you don't go ah, I'm so glad to see you you run up and throw your arms around them and go ah. you know what kind of feeling does that get give other people you know, when they see when you're in public doing that okay so a way of you know when you see people that, that you really like and you haven't seen a way of, of being very friendly and very warm but without this kind of loud attention distract you know attracting display so many of these kinds of things you know it's, it's just like being aware of how we're moving in space and how we're relating to other people and it can you know give people a, a very good visualization and, and inspire people by, by uh, how they act um, yeah and similarly if we're not acting very you know if we're acting just all over the place it's that people kind of thing so I'm not talking about being strict and uptight it's not the point it's, it's more a thing about being mindful and careful of what you're doing and okay well you know how am I walking how am I speaking what's my tone of voice to somebody yeah what's the volume of my voice I mean you can see even now in our kitchen yeah some days you walk in the kitchen the kitchen set like today the kitchen has such nice energy when I came in and everybody was quiet and they were doing their work and, and you know I just had to come in and do something and fill my honey jar and there's just nice energy in the kitchen then other times you go in the kitchen everybody's talking and there's ten people and ah, you know and that certainly gives you another kind of feeling that's why we have you know our little thing that we're reading before we prepare the food to, to remind us you know because it, it affects us and then how we are it affects other people so it's, it's um, you know really being aware and in that kind of way many things okay and so so, so like I was saying it, it inspires faith in people who aren't Buddhist and then it increases the faith in people who are Buddhist you know? so especially if they see that you're training and you know you're becoming like a nicer person as the years go by then they gain a lot of faith of, oh Dharma does work you know regarding this I have kind of a cute story um, there's one of um, one of the nuns who uh, I've known for many many years and it's funny when somebody told me this story they didn't mention the name but I knew who it must have been about and um, and one, one uh, lay person was working with this nun and then um the nun can be sometimes a, a bit volatile you know difficult to work with anyway the lay person went to another nun and said this nun she's been practicing dharma for you know 20 over years and she's still so angry what's the story and the other nun said you should have known her before true <laughs> 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 <a two> story <laughs> so um you know, so, you know, even in, in that kind of situation, if you find somebody, you know, who's just really argumentative, and then, you know, even if they're ordaining and they're trying and they're making some progress, 
that inspires faith in you. You know, especially if it's somebody who's really over the top and you see that they're getting better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah? Okay. And somehow just, you know, I mean, you were talking before about people coming up to you and, and the same happens to me and people, you know, some people recognize the robes, very often people don't. Um, you know, but it, it just, uh, it affects them in, in some way or another. One time, I, I think it was one of the trips when I was going to Israel, the plane got so messed up. We sat on the tarmac in Seattle, so we, we missed our connection in D.C., and, and it was such a mess. And so our whole flight, everybody was, you know, really out of sorts because they were trying to get to Europe, and we missed the connection. And, and so people were rebooking flights, and a lot of people were pretty upset. And I just said, I mean, I wasn't happy about it, but it's like, what can you do? This is what reality is at this moment, so might as well accept that. And, and it was quite interesting because when we finally got all of our flights um, sorted out, one, one of the people came over to me and, and just said something like, oh, it was really helpful for me to watch you during this because you didn't get so agitated about the flights. And it's something, you know, I was kind of surprised. Like, oh, you know, and it made me remember, oh, yeah, my behavior does influence other people. Yeah. So just all sorts of, of ways in this. Yeah. And then I've also done other things I'm not so proud of in airports. I've really pushed to get a seat when I think when I needed to get somewhere and the flight was cancelled again. So, you know, sometimes you don't do so well and sometimes you do better. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but if you remember this, then it's, it's yeah helps you. Okay, then the, the third one was um, the advantages of the precepts. Um, the main category was to bring about individual uh, liberation. So the first reason under that is um, it restrains, keeping the precepts restrains the vestige. Okay, so people who, you know, their mind's all over the place, their speech and body are all over the place, they're distracted, they're unfocused, you know, they're bouncing off the walls. If you live in precepts, it restrains you, okay? So it restrains the rest of um, The second benefit is it stabilizes those with a sense of integrity. So people who really want to practice, who really want to abandon uh, negative actions and and accumulate a lot of virtue, then keeping the precepts helps them to to stabilize. You know, they're they're people with integrity, so keeping the precepts, you know, kind of enables them to to, to act with the integrity that they like, you know, and that they're striving to develop even more than they already have. A third reason is that keeping the precepts eliminates defilements. So like I was saying that the monastic precepts deal chiefly with actions of body and speech. So we have to say or do something in order to break the precept completely. But the mind, the motivation, is a very strong element 
in whether we break something completely or not. You know, because the mind is what motivates the body and speech to, to act. And so, by living in the precepts that regulate body and speech, we're always being faced with our mind. You know, what is my mind that wants to act contrary to this precept? <laughs> yeah? So when we were talking, you know, we just had a discussion group on intoxicants. So, you know, you take a precept like that, and then, okay, what is the mind that wants to act contrary to this? Or, uh, you know, precepts about, you know, lying or any other thing, you know. Then, or we had our, our discussion about uh, sexual conduct. Then, you know, same thing. Then you have the precepts, and, and it's like, well, nope, can't do that. So what's the mind that that is, you know, wandering all over the place, kind of getting involved in that. So it helps very much to remove the defilements in the mind by making you aware of them. And then the fourth is that it prevents defilements from arising in the future. Okay, so by training ourselves in mindfulness of the precepts, which means we remember the precepts, so whatever we're doing, wherever we are, you know, we're remembering the precepts, then it prevents defilements from arising in the future. Okay, because when we have that mindfulness, then the mind doesn't go astray. It stays, it stays focused. Okay. So, um, so that's one reason, you know, when, when we take the, the monastic ordination, we promise to, to um, we're making a firm determination to keep the precepts in any situation we find ourselves in. So it's not just that you keep the precepts when you're in the monastery and then you don't keep them when you leave. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just that you keep them when, uh, you know, when you're in retreat, but you don't keep them when you're out of retreat, or you keep them with certain people, but you don't keep them with other people. So we really make a firm determination to try and keep the precepts in all situations with all people. And so that just, you know, makes you aware when that when you have that memory then it prevents the defilements from arising in your in your mind as you go through the day. Yeah. And so the more you train in the precepts and you know what to do and what not to do, then you know, you become aware of certain things and you work with, with certain emotions and attitudes and so forth that come in the mind and the mind begins to, to settle down and get stabilized. Okay? So you can see how those four all help somebody as an individual attain liberation. Okay, so that's kind of the detailed explanation of the benefit of, of the precepts. And then in general, the ultimate goal is for the um, dharma to be forever sustained. Okay, so the ultimate goal of all these things is to sustain the Buddha dharma. Now, I think that's quite interesting, you know. The Buddha didn't say that the ultimate goal of the precepts is my own personal liberation or my own personal enlightenment. So the ultimate goal is to sustain, you know, the Dharma and the Vinaya. And I think that that has some kind of, some kind of very profound meaning because... You know, we want to, we have the benefit of receiving the Dharma now because other people sustained it in the past. Through their practice, through their study, through their keeping the precepts, through their passing the precepts down, 
um, through their teaching others, then the whole Dharma Vinaya was preserved uh, so that we can come and encounter it right now. So we have to be very grateful to those people. And so now, especially when you, as somebody who's fully ordained, it becomes your responsibility to help sustain the Dharma in the future so that future generations of people can meet, you know, these incredible teachings and, and the, the amazing lifestyle of, of a monastic. Um, and you can see that the existence of the Dharma like this is something that is done for the benefit of all sentient beings. It's something that's done for the benefit of society. Yeah. So I think that, you know, for me, you know, just hearing that, it really impacted me. Oh, the ultimate benefit isn't just me and my practice and my liberation. It's I've got to be thinking beyond me. Because the ultimate benefit is working together with all these other monastics. So as a community, we preserve the teachings. Because if there's a community where the teachings are, then other people know where to go to get the teachings. If you're only an individual, people don't necessarily know where to go. Now, like in the, the Buddhist persecution in Tibet under King Long Dharma uh, in the, ninth, the early 9th century, he knocked out all the monasteries. Well, when, you know, there's no monasteries, then people who want to learn the Dharma, they don't know where to go. So then you might have very realized practitioners who are practicing privately on their own, but Dharma has a hard time existing in society because nobody knows where to go to receive teachings. Yeah? And you can see the same, you know, during the, the Cultural Revolution in China, you know, what happened in the monasteries. It, it's, uh, you know, if you break them apart, it, it really shatters the, the whole Buddhist society. So, um, you know, it's important to keep communities and groups of people, large or small, it doesn't matter, together who are practicing. So that that benefits their own individual practice, but also so that new people know where to go to receive teachings and where to train their mind. Because you have all these kids being born, and where are they going to go? Yeah? I mean... Colette's going to have a baby soon, for example, you know, and Jeff and Susan had a baby a year ago. Where are their kids going to go to learn the Dharma? Yeah. So it's up to us to create places, you know, where there's the actual Dharma practice and study and so on, and then these people have the opportunity to, you know, 20 years down the line, come to the Abbey and, you know, and do things. Yeah. So it's, you know, if we have a big mind, it, it, I, you know, for me, that's, that was really a big difference between being a novice and being fully ordained. Is when I was fully ordained, I realized, you know, now I have to be responsible. <laughs> yeah, and it's not just about me and my training and this and that and what I like. It's about preserving this for other people. And so that doesn't mean just preserving an institution. Yeah, because the purpose of any institution is just for to make practice and study smooth and easy. 
So when we're talking about sustaining the Buddha Dharma, we're not talking about big, building a big institution with an incredible bureaucracy. We're talking about the study and practice that, that we do as a community that, of course, benefits us individually, but our individual practice benefits everybody around us and also future generations. And so it, it ties in very much with our bodhicitta motivation. So those are the, the ten, um, ten, five, yeah, ten, nine, five, yeah, nine, sorry. Um, no, ten. Ten. Did you, did you count the, the last one? Yeah? Just ten? Maybe a ten? So it's, um, yeah, so those are ten um, benefits or, or advantages of, of uh, the, uh, the Buddha establishing the precepts and us following them.